Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB and uh, on a day where everyone wants to step outside, I'm joined <laughs> by Phil. Hello, Philip. Hello, JB. You're not offering me outside, are you? I, don't touch me! <laughs> don't touch me! <laughs> and down the line, all the way in Kent this week, it's Tim Cocker. Hold there, Tim Cocker. Don't say anything yet. Hello, Tim Cocker. Hello. Yeah, the egg, the egg chaser shipping container is getting some serious mileage under his belt, and I am in a locked, uh, locked container that no one can offer me outside of. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Hundred percent. There's, there's no uh, northern angry directors of rugby lurking somewhere <laughs> in the corner of the, the shipping <laughs> container, Tim. Uh, I, 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 I normally reside in the northwest. I've come to the southeast. Yeah, wise, wise, because it's going off up here. Um, but at least you're recording it. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, so we'll get into all of that. And actually, there's some rugby too. But before we do, please go and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or however your podcasts were everywhere, pretty much. Also, find us on Twitter. At None rugby of us Pod- are Apple, though. None of us are Apple, are we? Uh, no, no, not anymore. No, Android. No. All, all, all Android. Android all the way. Mm. Uh, what's, your, what's your podcast app of choice, Tim? Uh, oh, I forgot. Uh, Castbox. Castbox, interesting. Philip? Uh, I use Player FM. Player FM. Player. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Pocket Casts for, for myself. What, what an interesting interlude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or Twitter or Facebook or any of the major social media networky things. Right. Um, rugby, everyone. There was some rugby played and it was quite a good weekend. In fact, it was an amazing weekend of rugby. There were some very, very good games. There's a couple of dull games uh, hidden in there. But even the dull games, I'm thinking, kind of the the Quins and the the Bath Leicester game, which had some slow moments, they had some controversial moments as well. Yeah, and controversy is kind of the theme of the weekend. Yeah, I thought the Bath game was really good. Actually, I thought the Bath game was good because I'm starting I'm starting to believe in Bath now. I sort of believed in them in the, at the start of the season, but they're brutal. They are. So what they're doing very very well is the the basics, the simple things. What they're not doing so well is taking their opportunities. Like in that first half against, Le- against Leicester, they had so much territory in possession outside of the first three minutes and Johnny May's try. And they they really, really struggled to break Leicester down, a team who are, have not been defensively great this season. True. Now, let's talk about that. But before we talk about some serious rugby, I, th- I think it's only right that I bring this to your attention. Um, my wife and your wife, Phil, have been talking today 
Yes. As they tend to. And your wife has got a list of baby names. <laughs> yes. And your baby names, I, I didn't believe my, uh, my wife to start with, but the more she was speaking, the more it would seem you are picking rugby players' names <laughs> for the name of your baby. How, how, how do you plead to this charge? <laughs> um, well. So well, El- well, officer. <laughs> so, Elliot. Elliot, yeah. Um, Bowden. That was... <laughs> jo- uh, Jonah. Jonah. Sonny Bill. Uh, yeah, well, they've got really... Wor- Tane. <laughs> Tane. <laughs> Viniki. Yeah. Uh, Namani. Yeah. Samisa. Yeah. And, Waisaki. <laughs> yeah, and that's when it kind of, for me, really, a, a little light bulb went on. Oh, maybe maybe he isn't just really into uh, South Islander names. <laughs> um, wow. So... Um, what what has happened is, since we found out that we're having a, a, a baby boy in September, yes. yes, a good rugby playing baby boy. My wife has been desperate since September. Oh, you're gonna get you're gonna get the you're gonna get some stick for that. A, a rugby playing boy. Yeah, <laughs> we can, Girls can play rugby too. Absolutely, they can. Check out the Terrell fifteen for that. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. Not excluding any other genders from playing rugby, <laughs> but a boy. What? Well, well, there's no such thing as genders, Phil. I can't believe you just gendered your own child. Uh, apologies again. Uh, it shows how out of touch I am. But since September, Claire has been desperate to have a conversation about baby names. So I've not. I, I don't want to have a conversation at the moment, and I haven't for the last three or four months. So in order to kind of diffuse the situation, I've just repeatedly suggested. More and more stupid rugby names. So mostly South Sea Islander <laughs> names. <laughs> so we're not really going to get v- Viniki Largan. Uh, unlikely, oh. and we're not going to have Sonotti Sonotti Largan. Sonotti Sonotti Largan would be quite Zinzan, Zinzan, or Manu Largan or Samu Largan. <laughs> None of those. Samu Largan is sounds like a good name. <laughs> Samu Largan. Uh, no, very unlikely. But yeah, to try and prevent that conversation, that's what I've been doing. So where shall we start, boys? Is, has, it, has anything really caught your attention this weekend? Uh, so the only thing, uh, the one thing that caught my attention that I will mention briefly and we can talk about a little bit more later, but uh, you were talking about what a great weekend of rugby. Did you see the Welsh results? Uh, Topsy-turvy. Yes. Dra- Dragons won in Wales for the first time in four years. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, again, against another Welsh team and the Welsh team uh, <laughs> yeah the Ospreys and, um, yeah 23 yeah, they, they 22 beat, they beat another Welsh team for the first time in four years I should, should have said ah and, right um, and also uh, Scarlet's got absolutely massacred by Cardiff hammered by Cardiff yeah Cardiff. it was a bonus point at win away at Scarlet's for Cardiff yeah yeah so there's been some talk recently of Wayne Pivak Pivak um, kind of not switching off. Well, yeah, I'm going to say uh, sw- switching off at Scarlets because obviously he's focused on the Welsh job. I, I don't believe it because these guys are professionals. But that is the accusation le- levelled at him. So I've not seen any of the game. This result would suggest it. But the one kind of curious thing was picking Hadley Parks at 10 again. And it didn't work last time. It doesn't look like it's worked this time. No, it doesn't, so does it? When will the madness end? Um, well, um, if this is correct... Looking at the uh, looking at the team sheet, there is a second row for Scarlets. Would you like to guess his name? <laughs> uh, what's his name? Jake Ball. No, Joshua, Lewis Rawlins. Joshua helps. 
<laughs> He's actually called Joshua Helps. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> like we could do a, a fifteen of players who are whose names are sentences. <laughs> yeah. He's got a sentence for him. Joshua Helps. Uh, yeah. Theresa May. Oh yeah. <laughs> I never even thought. I never even thought of that one. Uh, but yeah, a, a hell of a win for Cardiff. Very, very impressive. They are slowly getting good. I mean, they do have guys, uh, and I know he, I know he wasn't playing this weekend, but people like Thomas T- Thomas Williams, who I really rate, and they just seem to have a smattering of class now, whereas they didn't before. Yeah, and they, but, but oh, sorry, go on. Finish your point, Phil, and then let's talk about the big meaty story because I didn't want to take us down this wormhole too far. I just yeah. thought, I thought it was worthy of mention, mentioning briefly at the head of the podcast. Well, the only point I was going to make was so Anscombe looking ten, look looking very good at ten, and the two kind of centres or outside backs they brought in, Halaholo and Ray Lilo, have really added to that team. So. Yeah, and so humble on social media, sweeping up the dressing room as well. Oh, so oh I missed that unfortunately. God, so so like humble. a twenty fifteen throwback, staying humble. That is good. I mean, humble isn't really in. Uh, in twenty in the end of twenty eighteen, <laughs> yes. I mean, if there's Beautiful something, segue, that, JB. If there's something that we've learned, hum, humble isn't it? Yeah, not this weekend. No. This is not the humble weekend. Uh, go on then, Tim. You th- you tell me what I want to talk about. Uh, okay, so uh, it's it's become judging by the column mentions it's it's getting. Bearing in mind, no rugby is being discussed in this story specifically. It has become one of the big stories of the weekend is the fracker, fracas, fracar. I don't know how you say that word, but uh, you whatever it is, yeah. that's what it was that occurred in and outside of the press room at King's home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a bit of a disaster really, because this was a hell of a game of rugby and a great result. This is one of the best results for sale sharks for a number of years. Yeah. I agree with that because the, certainly, the last few years they have really struggled on the road. Mm-hmm. Not always, but a lot of the time. And Gloucester are a very, very good team. They are deservedly. They are really good, Gloucester. Yeah, really they're good. deservedly in third place uh, in the Gallagher Premiership. So for Sale, combining those two facts, Sale bad away, Gloucester very good, regardless of where they're playing. And to go and get a bonus point win in Gloucester's backyard, and to prevent them from getting either losing bonus point is a hell of a performance. And the way they did it, some of the tries they scored from the backs were sensational. Oh, that first try. The Ashton try is immense. The Ashton try, the Faf try. Yeah, the Faf try is very good. It just seems that all their guys are starting to play very, very well now. Like James O'Connor's using his fast feet. Um, I mean, Ashton is rapid. Ashton is absolutely is. rapid. We spoke about it last week. Yeah. He and is and the hands, the, uh, Sam James's hands, just to get him in, I think it's Sam James at least, just to get him into that space. Oh, actually, I think uh, I know what caused it. I think I know what caused it is that they, um, it's the first time I've ever seen Sale wearing three different colours. <laughs> three different shirt, kits. shorts and socks. Uh, it was blue shirt, white shorts, red socks. There was a disgrace, yeah. that kit. <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it didn't look great. For some reason, it looks good when France do it. Because <laughs> um, it's exactly the same uh, colour uh, set up with France, but when France do it, it looks great. But well, um, I, but they did have a Gallic feel to the way they were playing. Oh, they were, they were magnificent. And I do, do you know I, I don't understand how Fafta Clerk does it. Did you see his hit on Billy Twelve Trees? Yes. I mean, goodness yeah. me! I, like the guy is a small man. All right. He is tiny. Like he probably comes up to my belly button, right? <laughs> He's tiny, and he plays like an absolute hero. He is a hero. 
He's a hero. He's a hero to the working man of Salford. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a, a tremendous win. Uh, everything worked. Uh, I mean, uh, the the pack's the pack is looking nice and meaty. Uh, it's the precision with the ball in hand which really makes it for me. Because Sale actually did the majority of the of the defending. Gloucester had uh, the majority of the possession. Um, you know, uh, not only in terms of having the ball, but where they were playing. And yet, the Sale defense was absolutely solid. And when they got when it was their time to strike, they did. Yeah, let's. Um, this is we can return to the rugby, but this is not unfortunately for sale. And as you say, a, a fantastic result and a, a fantastic performance. And Johan Ackerman came out and said it was the worst performance from Gloucester all season. And conversely, it was Sale's best performance in quite a while. Well, it's, um, it's probably Gloucester's worst performance since they got beaten forty-seven fourteen at the AJ Bell. I so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. Um, but it's not what anyone's going to be talking about over the next few days because of what happened after the <sighs> game. And it's, it's, it's odd. So let me try and summarise this briefly and just using skeleton facts, which you can add some meat onto the bones with. So in the press room at King's home, one of the journalists that was there assembled was a certain Sam Peters who writes for various uh, outlets. He was there in his capacity at writing a match report for the Times um, there was a there is a huddle after games with the press journalists, the print journalists who all stand around, get their dictaphones out, ask questions, make notes, and then go about writing their copy before they head on home. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Steve Diamond was there with the press huddle, he then was curious as to why Sam Peters hadn't asked him any questions. And well, the the bare bones of it are he then. Instigated a conversation that happened outside of the confines of the press room, where it got quite heated, and lots of people are having their say, in one way or another, on social media, in newspapers, and elsewhere online. Just one one thing to add to this, I think, is when the game was going on, Sam Peters tweeted. Mm. Uh, the the tweet he wrote was. Diamond screaming at any official within earshot. Dorian West doing likewise. The world's against them, of course. I must be covering sale again. Ugh, right. and, and another thing I think he met... I, now, I, I, I will have to check my facts on exactly where this was published, but I think Sam Peters may have written in an independent article... He did. ...that was released on Sunday that there has been also complaints to Gloucester Rugby Club from fans at Gloucester for the language or, or yes. the conduct of Steve Diamond. Mm-hmm. That That is correct. Yeah. He certainly references that, references Steve's uh, cultured language being used and fans <sighs> complaining to Diamond uh, but, but during the game. Heard, I don't think we've heard from Gloucester corroborated that fact or no. not. So no. at this point, that's that's not a fact that's in play, but it may be. Yeah. This is a story, isn't it, which started in September, as far as I can, I can see. I mean, if you listen to what Diamond asks him, Diamond actually says, you were reporting lies about me. Uh, and then Sam Peter says, what lies? Name the lies. If we're lying, why doesn't your legal department get involved? And I don't really think that's a great standard for, ju- for journalists, which is, if you want to disprove it, let's get, let's get litigious. But that's... Well, well I, do think it's a, I do think it's a good standard for journalists to get someone, if they accuse you of lying, to specify what the lie is. Yeah. So That's fair. Okay. Did Steve Diamond specify what the lie was? Yeah, it's the HIA stuff. So if you go back to September, which seems like a world away now, but unfortunately we have to do this because that's why this stupid, childish shouting match started. Sam Peters wrote a, 
And, and by the way, feel free just to correct me here because anyone who listens to the podcast will know I've got a slight soft spot for Steve Diamond. So it might come across a little bit unfair. So feel free to correct me where necessary. Sam Peters basically, in my mind, writes a whole article based around the fact that he couldn't get any Wi-Fi in the AJ Bell. <laughs> So that's, that's how it starts off. And then after that, it's Diamond is old school. His coaching is old school. Uh, they're going to have an old school session on, on, on Monday, but we won't know what that's like because journalists aren't allowed to watch it. Uh, and then he goes on to give a load of quotes about HIAs. And although he doesn't say it explicitly, the insinuation is that Diamond is very careless when it comes to the welfare of players. And then right at the end, he puts in, and this is the worst bit for me by far, a very personal attack on all of sales coaches, saying that they would look more at home on the door of a Salford nightclub than they would coaching, the muscle-bound and preening, and of course, it's not their fault. I think that is the is the worst part for me, because for me, it, it shows he's a bit of a snob. I don't know why he had to use Salford, but... The inclination is these guys aren't good enough because of where they're from, and maybe they should run the doors in, in the local area rather than coach rugby because they're not uh, like St. Peter's. That's how I. Yeah, that's how I read it. Okay, that I agree was a to- that, that that was a cheap shot, but I think you have just massively shot. hyped up a particular part well, of it as to some bigger. I, th- I think you've hyped that up uh, rather. If you take that, I would actually just discard that as a really petty pointless point but the rest of it hmm. let's not blow that up well into no, the I, point I would say I mean that's a bit that's a the bit point w- of the article yeah. the point of the point of the article is he had no wife point of the article in September whether whether you agree with it or not the point of the article in September was a catalogue or trying to establish Sam Peters was I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with this but he was trying to establish a pattern of behaviour. Yeah. So let's break this down a second, all right? So let's just take away the personal insults against men that he doesn't know and who do a damn fine job and work really, really hard. That's nothing to do with Diamond. That's just a cheap shot against coaches that I've met, I've seen work, and I know how hard that they work. So that's the bit which irks me. You start off with the old school parts. Well, if he's an old school coach, please specify which part of coaching is old school. Is it the way he coaches the scrum? or the lines of running, or the defence. I mean, what is it in particular which is old school? And the answer is nothing he does is, is particularly old school outside of his he character. Did, he did. It, because he doesn't do any JB, coaching. If you, can, you can agree or disagree with the article St. Peter's put in September, but you're, 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 giving, you're completely breaking down what he did, what he wrote, and what he said unfairly because he gave a catalogue of examples yeah. that was the whole point so, of Sam yeah. Peter's article so then the HIA stuff right so the HIA stuff was basically uh, he said if you get a slap around the head you come off and, and that he became and Sam Peter said he becomes a neurological expert during half time and claims Ben Curry will be fine and all these little things but I believe that's in isolation because he didn't point out that Sale have one of the best injury ratios, if not the best injury ratio, over the last two years. He didn't do that because it was lazy and it didn't fit what he was trying to say. And that's what Steve Diamond took issue with, and I think rightly so. Because if Sam had done his research, he would actually know that Sale have very, very few injuries. And I think that's why Steve Diamond said, you've been lying. Now, it's very hard to actually say you've been lying because you never said you put your players through a load of contact. You just said, oh, it won't be nice for them. And then he makes a lot of references to quotes, but he doesn't say, oh, but actually have Sale had more or less concussions? Have they had more or less injuries? He doesn't put any meat on the bones, and that's what Steve Diamond got upset about, I think. You're in danger of coming off as a little bit one-eyed JB you, you hinted that you have a slight bias but you're well you're if I... magnifying you're magnifying some bits 
and you're playing down other bits. Which bits am I playing down? I'd be interested to I know. Don't, I, don't, I don't want to get into the article. People can go and read the article yeah, yeah. from September uh, yeah, if they want to and make up their own mind. Read it. And when you do read it as well, it's actually not a bad article. In fact, it's pretty well written. And it kind of gives you a good indication of how Steve Diamond is. And I believe he is a lot of the things that Sam says, but I, just, I don't think he comes out with the right conclusion. Yeah, and there are, there are other people on social media, players and stuff, who are saying this is no surprise to me and giving their own examples. But again, I don't want to go into to any of that because even given a hatchet, even if even if you read, read Sam Peter's article from September and regard it as a hatchet job, mm-hmm. even if that's your perspective, then still what happened was in it was like the school playground pantomime. It's not befitting of elite level rugby. Absolutely. And I will say this as well. If Sam Peters felt threatened by what Diamond did uh, or anything like that, I mean, that's completely unacceptable. No one should go to work and feel threatened. But that's what he was there to do. He was there to, to do his job. But I just don't think it was only only Steve Diamond. I think don't think it was only Sam Peters. It, it was a mixture of both these guys. Both are massively self-important, but only one of them actually is important. Yeah, and that's what happened. The point that, that a lot of people have made, it kind of overshadows the rugby, which we've already mentioned. But it does have this kind of school playground pantomime feel to it that is not, it should not be associated with top level rugby. Hmm. I'm on the fence on that. Do you, like, the... do you like the intimidatory tactics of uh, a director of rugby? It's a real tough one because I don't think it's a simple question. I don't think you can say, do you, like, you know. Are you allowed to intimidate people or are you not? I, I do not, for the record, I do not think, right, Steve Diamond should be threatening journalists. And I've already said <laughs> I've already said that. I've always said, you know, if that's the case, it's not really good. But I think you've also got to understand a little bit about Steve Diamond and where he's come from and what his job is and, you know, how he gets stuff done. He's an incredibly focused individual. In fact, he's an individual of extremes. And actually, given everything that I know about him and where he is now in life, not just in rugby, but outside well, of it, yeah. you can't do that. Without that um, that level of dedication and without that level that level of focus, I honestly don't think I've ever come across anyone as driven as Steve as Steve Diamond. That doesn't manifest itself in great ways, so, 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 but that that's how I read it. Okay, well I'll just pull this back to brass tacks. That there are standards when you go to work. If you work in an office, there are standards when you go to work. If you work in uh, broadcasting, yeah, as I absolutely do, absolutely right. And those there are standards. There are standards if you go to work um, in in any capacity. That was his job. That was in his office. And uh, I don't think either of the individuals involved covered themselves in any glory. No. Um, And it's really disappointing um, to see rugby being talked about in in this fashion. Wow. Yeah, it is. Uh, On the other hand, you know, are you really saying you're not enjoying it? (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't enjoy it at all. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did. And I know that you did, Tim. It's, this is, this is just I'll not... tell you what I Come enjoyed. I, I enjoyed Rob Baxter's. Oh, get a grip! Interview. Get a grip, Phil. <laughs> get a no. I know both of you. Oh no, I'm not maybe not you, Phil. You were Phil, you were learning the basics of macros on a spreadsheet. But definitely, me and Tim used to watch the WWE. And if there's a little <laughs> smattering of WWE occasionally in, in rugby, it's, it's not that bad. It's Do you know what? I, I, I've said this many times, and I've had some. Um, some heated exchanges in post-match interviews. Well, heated's not the word. I've had some some uh, testing and challenging for 
for, I'd like to think for, for both parties in, in the chats that, that I've had, but I think I was doing my job in that capacity with Steve Diamond. Uh, but, it, um, but I think he's a, a fantastic character and I, I love having him in the, in the Gallagher premiership. Yeah. He is a total one-off. He is his own man. Um, potentially we'll, we'll see what people think and we'll see what he has to say himself. He may think um, there was no line crossed. I'm completely on the fence and ambivalent at the minute because I'm waiting to know all the facts at the minute. It's There's a lot of speculation and hearsay. Well, I know quite a lot of the facts and I would say mm, it's a tricky one. Just let me add this as well. I mean, you talk about the character of the man. Not that he has character, that he is a character. And I just say, like, just be careful what the rugby public wish for, particularly the writers who I'm sure will come down on one side more than the other. And he is unique because he's got himself in this situation through sheer hard work and bloody mindedness. And I don't think we want to get to a situation where only a certain type of person can be a DOR at a rugby club because, you know, they act in this way or they do things, you know, in a certain way. Just be a bit careful. I, I, I don't disagree with that one. I'm, I'm very conscious. That it's just me and JV speaking. Sorry, Phil, for, for jumping in again, but, um, I, I do kind of get what you're saying there. And I think it's interesting when, when you talk about what's happened on the pitch, I think in some respects has sanitised rugby to a degree that I don't really like. Yes. I, so I, I do know the point you're trying to make. And I I understand, I, especially when you look at kind of post-match interviews with players and you just get the same uh, kind of sterile um, cliches coming out. And it is good to have... A cool, uh, someone who's got a bit more about them, a bit yeah. of a different character. I just think, well, I think both individuals in this massively yeah. stepped across yeah. the line. Yeah, uh, uh, particularly Diamond. Actually, Diamond, look, Diamond is an irresistible force, and like when things are going well <laughs> for him, he is incredibly generous with his time. It, this doesn't sound like the guy you see on TV, but Tim will back me up here. He can be amazingly charismatic. Uh, because he's a man of extremes. But when things go against him, or when he's got his back against the war, I think this is when you see the other side of him. And it's served him well. Look where he is in life. He's, you know, he's a DOR, independently wealthy. He doesn't even need to be in rugby, truth be told. He could walk away and be completely I, fine. I think with all these situations, when, when, you're, when you have, like, well, you don't have skin in the game, JB, but like you say, you have a, you've, you've acknowledged at the very outset that you have a, a soft spot and you have a relationship with the rugby club. Yeah. Um, I think what what's important is you have to apply the same standards as and imagine it was someone you really have a very different feeling about. So imagine you'd seen Jeremy Corbyn doing this, JB. Think think about it another way. Imagine if we did the podcast with Sam Peters, right? Then I would feel about it very very differently. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all about perspective. That's the um. Oh, I was going to say that is the child's play for this episode done. But of course, it isn't the only child's play. For this episode, is it Harry Malander's coat? I did see Harry Malander. Did you not see it? No, I was. Do you know what? I was transfixed on his hair. His hair's remarkable. It's nice, isn't it? But it was hard well, to know where his hair finished and his coat fur began. Oh, well, so he was wearing a, a fur Parker. Fur Parker. Yeah, I quite liked it, Phil. You, you're not a fan. What his hair or his coat? Well, as a one, just give me a look. <laughs> just, just give me your view on the general look. Um, it's a strong look. It's it's a strong look. It's a bold look. Um, I'm not sure I would want to look like that. <laughs> All things being honest, um, he reminds me a little bit of the um, of the elf from uh, what do you call it? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> one of the elves. <laughs> yeah. Orlando Bloom. Yes. Yeah. Leg- Legolas. Yes. A six foot. Six foot four, Legolas. 
yeah, yeah, maybe he's just he's seen the way his dad's hairline's gone. He's thought, I've just got to fill my boots while I can. Yeah, enjoy it as, as long as I can. Well, has anyone ever been so close, I like it. so close to looking like Ivan Drago and then transitioned to Legolas so seamlessly? <laughs> <laughs> Who else? I like, was, I, I, someone, someone said, I like the strength of the look. It's. I'm, I'm looking at photos here. When he looked like uh, Ivan Drago mm-hmm. with the kind of crop short back and sides, long on top and short back and sides. He looks brilliant. He looks so athletic. With the hair that he's got now, he looks like a middle-aged woman. Uh, like, Pat, like Pat Butcher? Yes. Uh, have a you bit seen, like Pat Butcher. Have you seen the one Christian Day put up of him looking like a llama? <laughs> yes. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but no, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he looked all right. I, I, don't, I think, think he looked pretty cool, actually. There you go. Well, his team definitely looked very cool. Yeah, yeah, they did, didn't, didn't they? Um, oh, you... We were just about to talk about the other child's play. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Should we talk about yeah, the that, other child's would... play? Yes, go on. Let's just get the child's play out of the way. All right. Um, Dave Ward, uh, definitely a stamp. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't spit at the player. He might have spat around the player. I don't think, I just thought, think that happened to happen at the same time. That's me being generous. Anyone else? Hmm. Um,. I think he definitely spat. I think there's a few people who have brought into question whether he intended to spit, which I guess would change the sanction in my head, as in if you could determine that it was not a deliberate spit. How did how I do know, you determine that? I know. In my mind, he did spit at, was it Nazim Carr who was lying on the ground? I don't know. I thought it was... Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because Tom, Thomas Young was, was on his feet. That's right. It wasn't Thomas Young whose ankle he stood on. No, I think it was Nazim Carr. Yeah. So, I mean, my my coaching point from this, if you want to call it that, of course, is when stamping on ankles, don't spit in any way. <laughs> just do just have one trans, yeah. transgression. By no. all means, spit. By all means, stamp on ankles. <laughs> but don't, don't do it at the same time. So, I think I think he did mean to stamp although there was no force at all so that, uh, to so, me that doesn't matter so I, I think the yellow card deals with that in in my mind and I, I know that harlequins have subsequently banned him for, or suspended him for one game for the stamp yeah. not for the spit i in my mind he did he definitely spit, whether he meant to or not it, if you could possibly determine it it would change the sanction but you can't determine it in, in my mind so he is guilty of spitting, and that should be a significant ban, upwards of four to six weeks. You know, maybe more. Spitting is obviously just obviously disgusting, but for me, you just can't. Uh, the one thing which really gets my goat is stamping on on extremities. Now we didn't stamp because there was no force. No, that it was just but he like, stood on it. It's just so stupid. It was. It was per- I mean, just think about this, right? If you're just trying to get Nassim Khan's attention, right, and you're playing a full-blooded game of rugby. Uh, you stand on his foot and then someone accidentally you know, nudges you in the back or something like that. You can do real damage. It's completely careless. You don't stand on extremities. That's the end of it. For me, even the fact, it, the, the fact that he did it should have been a red card. Just I have no time for that whatsoever. What's your take, Tim? Talk us through the whole incident. So on, on the spitting front, Dave Ward is the only person that knows whether he meant to. Yes. And I don't think we should... Um... I, I don't think sanctions should be given unless it's clearly deliberate. And the fact that it could have been an accident, it could have been coincidental, means we're just going to have to leave that one and put it down to Dave Ward, knowing in his own mind whether he was a whether it was a, a you know 
he was a scumbag on that particular occasion or whether it was a a pure accident. And and only he knows, but I don't think that's for the RFU to get involved in. But does that not not set a dangerous... it's not clear. Well, does it not set a dangerous precedent that you just do what Dave Ward says, what Dave Ward has done and just say, oh yeah, I did not mean, I would never do that. Your Honour, I would never ever do that. Let me get away scot-free. Because he did, he did, he did spit. I'd give him the benefit of the doubt because I just don't want to really believe it. So I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. And if it happened again, you're in a lot of trouble. It's hard because the flip side is, Phil, then, I don't know, do you not apply? It it is really tough because you want to make, you want to make a, you do want to make an example to highlight that we do not allow this, but. It's really, really hard because I I kind of think if Dave Ward says he didn't mean to, and then you've got to prove that he did mean to, don't you? Well, it's it's like it's like the contact with the eye situation. What what who was the player the other week? Oh, it's in in the incidental contact. Um, the the scrum half for uh the French team, wasn't it? Rory Cockett. Yeah, Cockett. Uh, he said it was an. He said it was an accident. I. I was in. I looked at it and was inclined to agree. And the sanction was what two or three weeks for contact with the eye area. I kind of think you. You can't. C- c- by the same logic, you would have to have treated Rory Cockett's incidental contact with the eye area as a deliberate attempt to gouge the eyeball of a player and ban him for a year or whatever, rather than two or three weeks. If you are going to say. Well, I don't care if you said it was an accident, Dave Ward. You you spat. Therefore, we've got to treat it as if it's a deliberate spit, and uh, you got three months off. Well, so the the cocket thing, I think it was inconsistent with previous rulings. I'm thinking back to certainly one of the Ashton uh, gouges, the one on Luke Marshall um, in European Champions Cup, where he got uh, something like ten or twelve weeks for it. Um, which was determined exactly as you just explained, you would have to start uh, determining the Cockert um, incident. So I think that there is definitely precedent to do that. Um, and the spitting thing, I mean, I I actually think that sh- in this scenario, it is more difficult to do what he did accidentally than to do it deliberately. So you should start at deliberate with something like in in this scenario, and if there is mitigating evidence that you can prove it was an accident, then you move to that position. Otherwise, mm. it's deemed to be deliberate. And yeah. and that's interesting. It it would be. I think. I think what would be good is no one, no one watching this, no one who's ever played the game, no one wants to see anything like this happen again. So if. Dave Ward did it accidentally, and uh, he an example is made of him, and it cuts this out completely, and we don't see any incident like this again. Then it is a worthwhile collateral damage, I'm afraid. So I, I would I would start on a a good ban, probably a six week ban, uh, unless there's a ev- evidence otherwise. Hmm. Mm, well, I'm glad I'm not in the position of having to do that because I'm, I'm I I could be. Swayed that way. Now let me Could talk be about myself. Persuaded my... that you're right. Now let me talk about myself for uh, for, for a tiny bit. Um, <laughs> I did I did mention this last week, but I think Quins have a problem with the composition of their front row. Uh, you did mention this certainly in the last few weeks. You have mentioned this. Yeah, they are all ace players individually. They are including Dave Ward, right? They are all good good players. 
They're, they're very good. I mean, two lions yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. But when Joe Marler is your most stable of the three, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, let me remind you of... Uh, I'm not going to remind you of the things that he's done because, you know, uh, he, he's a lovable rogue, but he can get the refs on the wrong side. Dave Ward, well, we know where we stand with him now. And Kyle Sinclair, who almost celebrated his way out, out of a lion's test draw. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, they are difficult to ref. I mean, it's no wonder that Chris Robshaw is such a choir boy, because he needs to be. <laughs> yeah. And when he's not there to talk to the ref, they're in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> uh, yes, it does, it does look. So James Chisholm was captain in that side. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'd have Mother Teresa captaining that side just just to give it some balance. So James Chisholm is a decent player. He, yeah, he he's, he's, a, he's a good player. But you look throughout that team, and the, the most experienced players are by by mile are the hotheads: Marler, Ward, Sinclair, the, le- the and, leadership group, and and Mike <laughs> Mike Brown as well as a hothead. Yeah, they he, and he, all he can lose. They're all very talented players. Say, they're all lions, of course. Mike Brown famously isn't a lion. He is not. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got a really good team, and I, I I couldn't quite work out this weekend. You know, if they were playing on the edge, um, or if they were being idiots. And, you know, there is a fine line you know, to play on the edge. And, you know, I mean, Saracens do it. You know, when Saracens smash a guy, they'll be high-fiving and, you know, celebrating you know, over the body of a wheezing player. <laughs> yeah. You know, they play right on the edge. And I wonder if Harlequins are trying to sort of achieve that. But maybe... Well, Gustard's influence. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but they just might not get it quite right. And they, they wound up Elliot Daly on the 82nd minute or whatever the... The game finished when he got uh, brought into touch t- mm. to stop the game. He was—I'd never seen Elliot Daly like that before. Yeah, he was furious. So it looked like something untoward had happened there, but I've no idea what. Yeah, I, I actually quite like this version of Wasps. I like it more than the Curtly Beale version of Wasps or the Danny Cipriani version of Wasps or the Charles Piatel or the Charles Piatel version of Wasps. Yeah. Now, are you saying that because you notoriously dislike Wasps and they've lost? Uh, 10 out of the last 11 games in all competitions. Uh, yeah. Right. I think that's why JB likes this, this <laughs> no, incarnation. I'll tell you why it is, right? Because I look at their players, and again, this is something they referenced. You know, you take away a bit of quality here, a bit of quality there. Um, you know, the replacement scrum half has got only a, a handful of appearances, and you've got uh, the Bouge and, oh, and Neil, and Bassett is sort of in the, in that mold mold as well uh tom cruise these are all lads which kind of have been given a chance and yeah look they're not winning but they're they're playing well they are trying everything in their power to win and i quite respect that i mean they're literally trying everything the offloads that they are throwing are outrageous they're playing from side to side they are doing everything possible to try and put width on the ball in order to score and they're just not quite there and i sort of respect that within the team because hmm. they've always kind of played this this same way, maybe just with more stardust and and less kind of uh, average Joes. Yeah, and like now they are down to Nazim. Uh, you know, we've got Nazim Carr, Thomas Young, uh, and oh, who's he? Who's who's the other fella? Uh, your favourite, Brad Shields. Oh, God, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, like last year they 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 would have been rocking around with the lads like um, Guy Mercer, who you know, don't get me wrong, isn't a superstar but can really carry a ball, been essential for Leicester. Uh, 
Nate, uh, Nathan Guy, Hughes. Guy, Guy Mercer, Thompson. Guy Thompson, you mean? Who did I say? Guy Mercer. Guy Mercer. Guy, yeah, Guy Thompson. You know, James Haskell would do a, a lot of good clearing work no, to give them, to give them no, good, good ball. The Wasps have been missing more than anyone else, Jimmy Gopeth, number one. Danny Cipriani. Second, second on that list. No, well, no, J- Jimmy Gopeth, I think, would have made Lima Sopawanga's life a lot, lot easier. I agree um, with that. As he did Danny Cipriani's when he was there. So they've missed Jimmy Gopeth they massively, have. number one. Number two, they've missed... Nathan Hughes, who's hardly played, and when he has, he hasn't really been fit. And so that's that's your the guy that's going to help you ten, the guy that's going to get you across the game line. And thirdly, they've missed Dan Robson for most of the season, who's the guy that is like part of the fulcrum makes. So your eight nine and the guy that's going to help you ten, um, they they haven't had him, and that's 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 been where it's been for Wasps. Yeah, but back to my point, are you not a little bit kind of like ed- edging them on now to see all these guys like get like given a chance and playing as hard as they are? Um, I do like to see talent come through. So guys like Bouge, uh, like Ross Neal, who've played at lower level and stepped up. Guys like Tom Cruise. Um, so for that reason, yes. I oh, just... La- uh, Launch Breeze, another guy they missed out. So so they are miss- They are definitely missing. So I, I think on the you add Launch Breeze to that list, Tim. I think you're exactly right. Those are the people you're missing because someone like Lima Sopoanga, who's coming into that team. He's not looked great, but he's had, uh, certainly at, at 12, he's had a very inexperienced 12 outside him in someone like Bouge, who is playing well. He's playing very well. He's playing well. He's not Jimmy Gopeth. And someone like well, Jimmy Gopeth to make take the kicking pressure off him, take the decision-making, take the, the defensive duty, all of that, that communication that someone with uh, nearly 20 years' experience playing in top leagues uh, that Jimmy Gopeth has, that would make a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, well, they're gonna have to. Do, if they're gonna win, they're gonna have to do it. Do, do it the hard way. Well, they are, and they they have all of a sudden this this bad run of form. So early early on in the season, they were looking fairly comfortable going back to their usual uh, top three, top four spot. All of a sudden, they find themselves right in the middle of what is a pretty chaotic, effectively relegation scrap. Yeah, so they, they have dropped out of the top four. They've dropped down to eighth position in the league because of some good wins for the likes of Quinns, Bath, Northampton and Sale. I mean, if I, I would really start, well, would I start to worry? I, I, it depends on the fitness of those boys that, that you mentioned. You know, four or five key lads coming back. If they get them back and you know they play well, they'll be okay. If not, they are relegation fodder. Someone like Gopper. Well, there's, there's might, no, well, what's now back. established is a six point gap between the bottom two. There is. With Worcester and Newcastle both and losing, we are at, having both looked like winning at, at various points as well. Yeah, and we are at the halfway stage of the season now. So at halfway, there's a six-point gap. To, and so I wonder if actually we have the the league has taken a. Ta- I mean, I think there are still twists and turns to be had. Not least the fact that I think in three rounds' time, third of March, New, uh, Worcester versus Newcastle. Yes, and I, I mean I can't remember. Two teams at the bottom of the table who are as good as these two teams. Yes, they, 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 as always, for the last, oh, well, uh, certainly as long back as I can remember in any detail, there's always at this stage of the year there's been one adrift, yeah, uh, team. God, imagine if it's Newcastle. I, I think it so, can't be Newcastle. They're too good. I think basically anyone in the bottom half. It's almost anyone outside the top three could theoretically be 
relegated. Yeah, I, I, I think the, I think the top three are safe. Other than that, I and Quinns, Bath, Northampton. It feels like a bit of a stretch, but you only, it only takes a couple of losses and a couple of wins for the team below teams below you. And this is a league where anyone can beat anyone else. I I firmly be, believe that Newcastle and Worcester, who are the bottom two, on their day can be well can be anyone in that league. And one good example, it didn't actually happen, and Worcester failed to get anything out of the game. But Worcester could have, and on a different day, should have beaten Saracens. Exactly right. Exactly right. Whisper it, or don't. It's up to you. <laughs> Say it in whatever volume you Shout want. Shout it. Shout it if you wish. Leicester Tigers. I mean, that, that is another team who I think are, are in... Well, there's only so much George Ford can do. I think George Ford is worth a couple wins for them yet. But they're in trouble. They are in big trouble. They're not looking great. And they... It, Go back to that first half uh, against Bath. They, apart from the first three minutes, they basically didn't have the ball. No. They they couldn't retain the ball, and every time they re- they got the ball, they either knocked on, uh, dropped it, or kicked it away kind of aimlessly. Yeah, Bath are nasty. I mean, Bath are just an, an evil, nasty, brutish team now. Uh, you know, they were talking. Just going back to Steve Diamond a quick second, right? <laughs> of course, of all, course, all roads lead to Diamond. Diamond or Sam Burgess. Yes, right. Um, the idea of Steve Diamond being old school, and he's old school because of the perception of him being old school, but actually his team is not old school at the slightest. I tell you, he was bloody old school. Todd Blackadder, he is old school. I mean, that is his old. I mean, they are a horrible, horrible pack. Even their smaller guys, their smallest guy, probably in that pack, Underhill. It's like playing as a troll in the nicest possible way. A really vicious, violent, hard-hitting, nasty <laughs> troll. Who will really disrupt any attacking ball you ever get. Yeah, he just wants to kill you. He wants to rip off your head and then steal the ball. <laughs> I mean, he's, Who he's, hobbled off, by the way? He, he hobbled did. off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Oh. But he, he tried, they strapped him up and he tried to run on, uh, tried to keep going, didn't he? But he just couldn't. And I tell you, the other guy who I, who I really thought played well uh, was um, Francois Lowe. I thought Francois Lowe had a brilliant game. Lowe is having a really good season. Isn't he? And, and do you know what? Part of, it think, part of me thinks, like, because he's a hard-working seven, and there's already a hard-working seven on the field, he still does those things where he's you know, over the ball and all the rest of it. But he can actually apply his hard work elsewhere. He was carrying an awful yeah, lot today. He, well, he was playing eight. Yeah. So he was having to. So you were right to put out to him. Underhill went off. Matt Garvey went off. Nathan Catt. All, all three of those went off injured. They have got some depth, and they've got boys to come back in who weren't even on the team sheet. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. Um, quietly, the most important player for Bath, or one of, top three, top five, top ten. 
Top uh, ten. He's in, Top. The, he's in the Bath squad. What <laughs> are the twenty-three? Yeah, what are the twenty-three in the Bath squad? Name him. Uh, I don't, I thought... Shudders. Well, oh yeah, Shudders. great point. He was, he was he was fantastic. Shudders is playing really well. So I've I've always liked Shudders when he was back at Exeter. I thought so. The season when he got injured. When the two young lads, Maunder and Townsend, Townsend, and Townsend came in. Is, is on the way up as well, though. Yeah, th- that season, if he hadn't have got injured, I think he would have been knocking on the door and being spoken about for yeah. uh, international colours. Unfortunately, it's not really happened for him, but he's made a move to Bath and his, has pushed, um, well, Khan Fotoliti and Chris Cook. Chris Cook was playing for Bath United on Saturday. Was he? Yeah. Bloody hell, that's a fall from grace. No, I think Chudley is the real deal, and I think he, he proved that in Exeter. They've obviously got a load of congestion at that, at that position, and a load of salary cap tied up. Maunder, two Townsends, and Nick White. Nick White, yeah. So we had to move on. I, I think, think it's about... two Maunders and a Townsend. Is actually. it two Maunders and a Townsend, or two Townsend and a Maunder? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's two, <laughs> two Maunders and a Townsend. Is it, it, either way, it's a great film. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, whichever way around it is. Um, I think he's, I, I think he's a, a cracking signing for... Um, for Bath, and you know, if he carries on playing like this, he is going to be uh, spoke about in in, cir- in circles for international honours. Has to... who are you going to say? Know, do you know what scrum off? Do you know what scrum off has to be talked about in in terms of international honours? Jamie Roberts, which is ridiculous. Is... Sorry, yes. Go... <laughs> uh, sorry, I was, asked, I was answering. Kobus, what a season Kobus Reinax having. He, he's oh, outclassing yeah. even faster. Whoa, he's a, he's a so second. Far. He's a second best South African scrum half in the league. <laughs> Third best after yeah, Francois Houard. true, but he is playing outrageous rugby the last few weeks. He's bloody good. Of course he's good. Yeah, he's excellent. And he's absolutely rapid. He is as rapid. He, as he showed again. Yeah. Uh, which of the South African scrum halves, if you had to pick one, which one would you go for? Uh, well, Faf. Definitely Faf. Faf. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not Houard? I do like Houard. Houard's uh, class. I think, I can't Hugard. help, I can't help but think he's a little bit wasted at scrum half, he should be uh, playing on the wing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd go for Faf. I was obviously just leading you on there. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a selection of class South African scrum halves. Uh, back, sorry, back to the first question for you, Phil. The guy I was going to mention for Bath was Jamie Roberts. So Jamie Roberts was very important because of his consistent hard carrying yeah. and making it difficult running down that that uh, Ford Tamua channel and consistently gaining well. Probably consistently gaining slightly more than three yards. Yep. Uh, uh, exactly three yards, actually. Well, yeah, just looking it up, um, it's just under three yards, 2.98 or something nine, like nine, that. 9.99. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, but he was he was a, a real threat, and he was, in making those three yards, he was sucking in two or three players because you'd get those two and a back row having to, to cover across. Massive, um, massive pack and a huge inside centre. Welcome to rugby in 1994. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's I love all, it. It's effective, isn't it? It's all about cycles, though. I mean, it, people all get yeah. get onto this, and then before you know it, Kyle Eastman will be back in fashion. Well, the problem for Bath is if they were to make the top four, and I'm not sure yet that they will do, but if they were to make the top four, they would be playing this brand of rugby in May. When, when this brand of rugby... Well, when Jamie Roberts can go even faster. <laughs> yeah, but it, this brand of rugby, come May, you need a plan B. Well, I guess the plan B is your defence, right? And when you can take... I, I'm just making the argument for Bathel. But when... Uh, yeah, it's your defence and having two lads on the field, right, who can go around and steal ball at will. Now, what I also liked, and maybe it wasn't a, a day for him today, 
But when teams start start to tire, who, who do they throw, throw on? Is that Mercer? Mercer, yeah. And then Free it's running. on again. So you've got Zach Mercer on the bench. You're going to have Jonathan Joseph soon. No one's going to run around Jonathan Joseph. Anthony Watson. Anthony so Watson. Those two coming back like, will be very important. I like, I like it. But Bath, Bath could well could well be a contender because because of the talent that they have. What we haven't seen coming, and I think there's been some pragmatic rugby, and I mentioned Corbus Reinach. I, I do think Northampton should get mentioned on the pod because um, they are playing a, a level of pragmatic rugby. They are trying to base a, a, a solid foundations up front. But um, they've got their mojo. Yeah, um, I, sort of the team selection sort of uh, reflects that too. Uh, and also, and, and do you want to, and do you want to talk about? But bearing in mind you were saying you you were willing. Um, sorry, I've brain farted. The team you were oh, what you were willing you like this incarnation of Wasps because they're these players have come in like players like Ross Neal and Michael Le, Le, Le Bourgeois have come into the team largely because of injuries. They've done quite well, but actually. It seems like Chris Boyd has come in straight away and gone, regardless of injuries. I've got a few young players I'm going to base my, particularly in the back line, around. And in the front line as well, they've got that young lad, Aaron Painter, one yeah. of the props. They've got some serious young guys that Chris Boyd has given a chance and they're looking great. Yeah, um, it's almost as if, um, I can't remember his name, uh, Chris, Chris Boyd has shown up in Northampton and he was not responsible for dishing out any of the deals to the current team. And therefore, you can look at them all and say, I'm just going to pick you because you give me the best option in, in that position, regardless of what you're getting paid. And that's a very powerful position to, to be in. Absolutely. And some of the young lads who've kind of had a splattering or smattering of appearances um, have looked superb. Some of those outside backs. And the, the guy, so Dingwall. Dig, Fraser Dingwall. Fraser Dingwall. Dingwall. Dingwall who came off the bench for an injured Piers Francis, thrown in and immediately looked brilliant, took his try very, very well, ran through the, what is a, a an excellent defensive uh, extra cheese back line. So I, I like them. I like more The more I'm seeing of Northampton, they've had a few ups and downs this season, but the more I'm seeing of them, the more I like the way that they're trying to play. And this was a hell of a result yeah um, they've also re- signed a lot of their younger players this week the list escapes me but um, I'm, sh- I'm sure if you really want to find out you <laughs> go can, to you Northampton's know, website go, go to Northampton's, Northampton's website but yeah they're, they're signing up the right sort of lad now this game Ludlam Dingwall Slight Home Grayson um, um, I wish they've I... got all these young guys and then who's the, who's the second row guy I love him um like they've got my favourite second row partnership in the league. Oh, Ribbons and Laws. Oh, Ribbons, yeah, ribbons, Dave Ribbons. Yeah. I, I, I just, I've, and Aaron Painter is a proper talent at prop. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I wish I'm loving, I'm loving Lud- what Chris Boyd's doing. I wish Lewis Ludlam didn't exist though. Why? Just it's annoying uh, when L- you're talking Lewis Ludlow and Lewis Ludlow. <laughs> they can either move to the same team or one of them, one of them has to retire <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so this game, so they went in the first ten minutes, they went fourteen nil up. And then uh, Exeter Chiefs pulled it back. So after half an hour, it was 14-all. And I just thought, here we go. I've seen this before. I've seen this too many times before. Exeter are now going to turn the screw and run away with it. And they didn't. They just couldn't get to the the scrum dominance that had uh, fared them well earlier on in the game. Parity was reached with the Northampton team. The Northampton line-out was particularly good right throughout the game and managed to both secure their own ball and disrupt the Exeter Chiefs ball. 
But the, we've already spoke about Reinert, but the, the man who I thought was just sensational, just just led that team to victory, was Dan Bigger. Yeah. I loved the Bigger performance. Who, by the way, uh, Dan Bigger has succumbed to the pressure of corporate um, values. And do you remember before his tool station tri celebration meme video for social media was just him walking up, not doing anything like <laughs> yeah. some of the other guys had hard hats on and or were wafting around s- saws and nail guns and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, Dave, Dan Bigger just didn't. He just walked up to the camera, stood with his arms behind his back, and then walked off. Now he has got. Oh, what's he got? Steamroller. Anyway, I'll have a look. No, no. He's I wouldn't forgotten. do it unless I had a steamroller. <laughs> My friend. Oh, no, he had, a, he had a chainsaw. He yeah. brandishes a chainsaw for his try celebration. Nice. Uh, not, not only would I have a steamroller, I would make it so it took about 10 seconds to get into shot as it slowly <laughs> vibrated in front of the camera. Love it. Yeah. The uh, best one, the best one is that prop, Air and Painter. It's just a shame he's a prop and it doesn't come up very often. But he does a uh, a robot dance with a hammer, and it's, it's genuinely <laughs> quite impressive. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, he he was he was brilliant. His, yeah, he was his great. commitment is absolutely second to none. Yeah. Uh, are those all the games? Uh, uh, Oli Devoto, Oli Devoto, deserve a try. Uh, yes, I think he did. Yes, I, I think he did. I think so. and, and the we didn't mention it before, but in the Bath game, there was a disallowed try from Francois Lowe, and there was an allowed try for Jamie Roberts. I can't help but think they got them the wrong way around. Yeah, because Roberts was tackled and on the floor, and he just like gets kind of half to his feet, knees, and jumps forward. And the, the Francois Lowe one was a weird one, but I think Lawrence Delalio probably summed it up best. The, well, no, he said that afterwards, but. Um, he summed it up best when he said that Ellis Genge didn't attempt to make a tackle because there was no arms. He just kind of f- dived on the floor with no arms. So if there's no tackle, you can't hurdle a tackle. So he would have allowed the try, and I think that ah, that probably smart. probably sums it up right in my mind. Um, I would have gone with that one. But what I love is, and just to to you know, all roads lead to Burgess or Diamond to um, <laughs> to just highlight. What an what an incredible ambassador for the game Rob Baxter is. The fact that even confront, imagine well, you could understand it if Rob Baxter had said, "I'm I'm livid with that decision. Oli Devoto scored a try. We should have maybe got a draw or more." Um, and he didn't. He said, "No, God, that's not why we won. Northampton deserved to win, and no excuses. And we, we, we need to we need to have a little bit more dog in the fight. And we were off our game, and no no excuses. Um, and I just love Rob Baxter." So he is what rugby is in in human form. He is rugby, and he he solves all of the uh, the uh, difficult individuals and their bad behaviour that we spoke about this week. Ignore all that. Just look at Baxter. Um, just on this game, I just I've had just no- had a thought. Northampton Exeter game. Yeah, did it remind you of Exeter Harlequins? And I'll tell you why. A sense that Exeter in both games switch, switched off right at the start. And left themselves with a hole to get out of. And that's why they lost. Because early doors, they weren't able to contain those two teams. Well, Baxter did kind of allude to that in his interview where he said, perhaps uh, last week wasn't the best time to have a Christmas um, party. Which I thought was interesting. Because, and the way that I read this was, so the victory against Saracens was a great performance and needed to be celebrated. 
But the way I read it was they almost, it felt like they over-celebrated that victory rather than, yes, give it the due recognition, but that is just, it is one milestone of many throughout the season. And so give it the right recognition and then move on. Yeah, because losing against Saracens and winning against Northampton is is basically the same thing. It is. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yep. That's uh, that. But, but what I would say, what I would say on Exeter is, even when they lose, they still come away with two points. And that was so. That was a bold call at the end because Northampton's defence had been very good, but in the last, there was no time left on the clock. Exeter had a penalty basically in front of their sticks. Three points would have guaranteed them one losing bonus point. But they went for the corner and gambled that one in order to get two and got the two. That's an interesting point, isn't it? Because Northampton's defence was very good. And it just shows this sort of belief this Exeter team have. We, we saw it last week with uh, Sa- uh, Sa- uh, Saracens. God knows how many kicks into the corner. God knows how many failed moors. And they keep doing it until it succeeds. Yeah. Even in the 82nd minute or whatever it is, they yep. still go for that corner. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a remarkable thing, actually. And it was a guaranteed one bonus point compared to a... Uh, if you if you probably ran the number of five-meter line-outs they had throughout that game, where they didn't score, it was probably a one-in-four shot of actually yeah, it, scoring. Yeah, it was that. a bird in the hand, two in the bush, and they yeah. went for it. And I wonder if it. there's sort of yeah. a, a cumulative effect for some poor team down the road, where instead of only converting one out of four... They convert eight out of ten. Yeah, because they keep going for it. Yeah, I th- I think there's going to be someone who c- comes up against Exeter and everything just clicks I and think, they're going to get steamrolled. I think a few teams will get a hide in. And, okay, when are they playing Le- Leicester Tigers? <laughs> has, has that game been? Well, they've already played them at Sandy Park because uh, that was Matt O'Connor's only game in charge. <laughs> right. So it might be coming up soon again. Uh, don't they usually do? I know in the amateur leagues, if you play someone the first week of the season, you play them the last week. No, it doesn't always work like that in, in Premiership. Let's find out, because that is my prediction. It's going to be Leicester Tigers who really feel the wrath here. Well, so... Well, is on- it going to be like Northampton with Saracens? Is it going to be Leicester with Exeter? The way uh, Northampton look like they're writing themselves and then they get a hide-in from Saris. Yeah, I think it might be, you know. Well, so I was expecting that to happen this week. I was expecting the, the Saris kind of corrective action to be taken out on Worcester. And I was expecting, quite frankly, a cricket score. And it just didn't happen. And mm. looking back at that game, Worcester, they could well have won that that game if it was slightly different. I mean, they scored the two tries early on through Weir and Teo. And it was only in the kind of 70th minute or so when Strettle uh, went over for the score that Saracens actually finally got on top of this game. So I was a bit surprised to see that Saracens didn't have that uh, reset button. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it just shows that actually Worcester are pretty good. I think that's... They're, they are not a bad side. Yeah, and and th- they will be They will be so disappointed to not get anything out of this game. Yeah, there's, there's also nowhere near enough credit goes to um, the new coach, Rory Duncan. Because he's come over from Cheetahs. He's led them in their first season to a playoff appearance in the top 14. Cheetahs are nowhere near the playoff p- picture at, um, uh, at the moment in the Pro 14 since he's gone. And Worcester look like a much, much better team for his arrival. They certainly do. Hmm. Um, mm. Did anyone see the 
Leinster Munster or Munster oh, Leinster this game. This was spicy. No, I didn't, is the answer. So there were well, there was a period where Leinster were down to thirteen men. They had they had uh two yellow cards. I'm I'm just trying to think who got yellow carded. Uh, James was James Lowe's a straight red or was it a J- yellow? James Lowe's was a straight red. Yeah. So they had uh, let me have a look back. Keen Healy and Ty Furlong, one after another in the first twenty minutes, and then when Ty Furlong, I think, was the second one, when he was in the bin, three minutes into him being in the bin, James Lowe chased a kick, over chased a kick, and caught Conway. Conway was at full jump. Uh, James Lowe was still on the ground and Conway flipped, landed on his head, straight red, correct call, straight red. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, they had uh, 13 men. Munster had a penalty and they actually took the three at that stage, even though they were playing against a 13 man Leinster. But Munster, thanks to uh, it's the centre, isn't it? Clerty. Yep. How Cloherty, you, yeah. How do you say his name? Cloherty? Cloherty, yeah. Cloherty and Keith Earls, who scored only scored very late on when Leinster were tiring. Um, Munster got a good win. Uh, okay, sorry. Date for the diary, boys. Yes. Um, 6th of April. Yes. Is when Exeter go and batter Leicester. <laughs> so there you are. That is your, that's your 40-point win there. Exeter beat, beat beat Leicester. That's if it doesn't happen next week because Exeter have got Bristol at Sandy Park. Put it on the board. That board's looking pretty... I don't know where it is. Sh- shorn of accurate predictions <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> well, France are going to win the Six Nations. Um, Marcus Smith is going to be starting England 10 that, at the World Cup. Uh, Marcus Smith looks ridiculous now. <laughs> France, I'm, I, I was thinking about this the other day. France could do it. France could do it, you know. France. And then all hail King JB. <laughs> like a genius again. 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 More genius points. Um, yeah. 6th of April. Write it down. There you go. Should we do next week's games? Uh, well, we've not spoken about Bristol's win. Not oh, last. yeah. So, oh, my word. Yeah. Not that I've seen it, because obviously the other game was on. Uh, yeah. So I'm similar. I've not seen it. But maybe... Do, a... do you know what I did? This This is, this is what happens... Um, this is brotherly love. This is. I spent whilst Baffy Lester was on. Oh. I had it. Rec- I had it recording, and I hooked up my television uh, to my laptop because London so Scottish I, were playing, so I could watch Cornish Pirates v London Scottish on the Cornish Pirates Facebook page feed, wow. which was a one-camera shoot with uh, with two fans of Cornish Pirates chatting me through the game, and uh, yeah. And what was the score? Uh, it, very, very a scoreline that flattered Cornish Pirates massively. It was twenty-seven nil in the end, but um, Scottish were by far the better team until they got into the twenty-two, uh, and then couldn't do anything. Couldn't... So that's a shame. Oh well, but yeah, so yeah, so I watched that game whilst. So so not only did I not see Bristol, which I could have watched on like a betting website or something. I didn't even watch Bath Leicester originally. So no, I don't know much about the Bristol result other than the result and. What a result. Well, Coming from behind, 20-10 down at half-time. Yeah. Yes. Well, they were up, and then they were down, and then they went back up again. Hold on. Is this Bristol or the Grand Old Duke of York? Way. <laughs> That's how sounds. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, a good win. Obviously we, didn't, obviously, we didn't see it because it wasn't on TV. I'm recording pretty much before the highlights. Uh, that said, there is a lesson here, maybe, and maybe you can, you can enlighten me here. Um, 
How are the TV schedules decided? Uh, are they decided that far in advance that you know if Bristol were now top of the table, they still wouldn't be on TV? Yeah, so you have to give. Uh, you you have to. Uh, there has to. So yeah, they're done in blocks usually, uh-huh. and uh, it will be done ahead of time, some weeks ahead. So for example, I now know what my what dates I'm working during the European weeks. In the middle of January, I knew that a couple of weeks ago, but before that, I thought I would be doing different games. But the outcome With of results you. means that actually they've juggled it around. And okay, so yeah, it's, it's it'll be done weeks in advance, but it'll be done in blocks. So it might be six game blocks at a time or something like that. I'm not sure of the ins and outs, but yeah, it has to be done in advance. Yeah, exactly. I've got to say, Bristol are fun to watch. They're great. And actually, to watch. Newcastle are fun to watch. Newca- I mean, I wouldn't have mind watching this game. You know. It's a it it was it it's a pretty spicy matchup. The only bit of the action I've seen is the uh, Radwan try, which is a little flood grubber kick through for Radwan, who is lightning fast. Um, other than that, I've not seen any of it. No. But with uh, Piatau, Murahan, and Thacker on the pitch, lovely, lovely mm. to see, lovely to see money scoring. <laughs> I, I I actually saw Thacker. Um, Last Saturday. Where? Uh, at the AJ Bell, having a drink. Ah, okay. He was using his little uh, net shorts uh, straight off the field. Remor- far bigger than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be basically, well, you, actually. <laughs> but um, very, 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 very broad. He's very he sh- well built You, you should have known that because he's the stocky little dumper truck. Stocky yeah. Little dumper. Of course he is. Of course he is. Uh, he, um, he has certainly put on some timber since he first came on the scene because he was... Early eighty kgs, yeah. When he when he came on the scene, what's he weighing in at now? Because he's not eighty kgs now. There's no way. So I'm just looking at his. So his Bristol profile has him at ninety three kg. Uh, bearing in mind he's what five foot eight. That's yeah. That's going some. Yeah, it is. It is. It's chunky, but he's still explosive with it. I remember reading a lot of fast twitch going on. Yeah, I remember reading an article with Tom Youngs. This is going back ten years or so. Because um, he was always a centre mm. um, when he played youth rugby, and he was told he was n- either not quick enough or not not uh, skillful enough. So advised, and he's not much taller than Thacker; he's a, a similar height. But he jumped up from somewhere in the early eighties to it was about one hundred and five or one hundred and ten kg when he first started playing there. And he he the, the interview with him said it was just way too much too soon, so he couldn't his body couldn't cope with moving that amount of mass around. And so he cut back and then slowly built up again his weight. It's like, yeah. the, it's like the opposite of Tyson Fury, who was carrying around <laughs> like 30 stone. Yeah. And he was, so he was having to just walk to and from the bar to get his next pint at 30 stone. So when he shed 10 stone, he was, he was rapid. Lightning fast. But still massive. Um, <laughs> yeah. How tall is Harry Parker? 5'8". Five 5'8". Eight. Five eight. So Tom Young's is 5'9", but he's 103 kilograms. Yes. Bloody hell. He's massive. He is absolutely he is massive. Crikey, that is big. He's a bowling ball. You would not mess. Well, so the, the probably, I'm just thinking of the height to weight ratio. The Tongan Thor, what's his name? Tanella Tupu. Uh, yes. Tanella Tupu, yeah. So he is 5'9". Do you want to guess how? Oh, 5'9", 5'10". 
124 kgs. I don't know. 135 kgs. Jesus. Oh wow. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's, like that's substantial. That's man stats. Yeah. So, yeah, here on his Wikipedia page, he's listed at 5 foot 9. Bloody hell. Do you know 135 kgs? My ideal job, I mean, I've got lots of ideal jobs, but one of my <laughs> ideal jobs, maybe a six-month sabbatical, would be go over to the US and then test heavyweight college wrestlers seeing if I could make them into props. Into tight head props. Yeah, that would be, that'd be like <laughs> the dream job. You could well, go you know full fox, fox catcher. My, my, yes. my goal, I've, I just I, mentioned World's Strongest Man there. I've decided that one of my goals for 2019 is to, to get the job hosting World's Strongest Man. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that show. It's, uh, it's not Christmas unless... Well, strongest man's on the telly. No, it's not. That gonna, is a great. You're going to start with UK's strongest man. Do, do you know? Get get oh, some yeah, time on the circuit. Go get some grassroots in. Yeah. Well, See why you don't you um, join me uh, and you and you can host? You can host my show. Uh, I don't know, I'll call it Prop Idol for now. Wo- uh, a working title where we travel <laughs> the United States testing out Alabama wrestlers, <laughs> pushing things. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I mean you know, I, I mean, the I, transferable the transferable skills are massive. It goes go straight for the heavyweights. Yeah. I mean, they're all they're yeah. already. I mean, what's a heavyweight in wrestling? It's probably only about ninety kilograms. I don't know what's heavyweight in boxing. But they're all, see, they're always cu- they're always cutting weight, aren't they? Yeah. So true. you don't have these guys, and then we can fatten them up, and they've already got amazing core strength. All we need to do is teach them ball, like ball skills, and you don't really need yeah, look, too many of them. Not really. I mean, mm. look, Andrew at, look at Dan, Co- Dan Cole's got Dan Cole. And mind you, I said Andrew Sheridan, he was a loose head, so. True. Dan Cole is nowhere. He, he doesn't come across on the field a top player. He doesn't come across on the field as flexible enough to be a wrestler. I mean, no. that kind of he, he has to turn his whole upper body to look behind him. <laughs> so, Jonathan Mills used to be uh, of Sail Sharks fame. Yeah, friend of the pod. He's he's stood in for Phil a couple of times. He yeah. has, um, and now he's coaching Rosalind Park. I think was he Richmond? Oh, in National One. Yeah, one of the. Um, uh, 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 one did of the he team. not go to London Scottish for? A, he a, did. A he season. was. He was there before. Um, their current highly regarded coach. Okay. Um, he was saying that Vladim Kobalash in the wrestling drills would beat you whilst laughing at you without yeah. you even noticing. <laughs> that's that's how good Vladim Kobalash is at wrestling. Because first and foremost, he's a Moldovan wrestler who then converted to tight head prop because of the mega amounts of cash. Vladimir Kobolash, who was listed in the, I can't remember the name of the publication, the French publication. Maybe L'Equipe, um, their players of 2018. Yeah. In the top top 14. Made made by Steve Diamond, right there. So, um, yeah, we're going to find some American wrestlers. Not American wrestlers, <laughs> some Olympic wrestlers from America. There you go. Mm. Next week's games? <laughs> Next week's games. We've gone a little bit off-piste. Uh, right. Pro 14? Uh, go on then. Uh, let me look it up. Right, so we've got on the 5th of January, no Friday night games according to this. So we've got Benetton hosting Glasgow. Glasgow, who, oh! lost, who Glasgow lost again I, to to uh, Edinburgh. Oh, and, and Benetton I know. smashed weak Italian, Italian <laughs> opposition. It's not even fun anymore. It, it isn't. I mean, they're so clearly the best team. In Italy. Uh, in Italy. Uh, and I think, are they third in the table now? Uh, don't know. No, they're fourth and they're hunting down those Ulster dogs. Uh, so th- well, according to this, they're third. They're ahead of Scarlet in, in Group B. 
Perfect. Wow. Ahead of Scarlet's and Edinburgh in Group B. Wow. That is pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, they're the real deal. Ever since I've uh, got behind them. <laughs> you know, correlation isn't causation, but maybe. It's damn close. It's damn close. So Benetton... The, the opposite has happened to Ulster when, since Phil started following them, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had a little blip, bit of a speed bump in Connacht this weekend. Other than that, things are going okay this season. Ulster fans like to whinge, though. I mean, they're second in the table, but you ask any Ulster fan, they reckon that they're rubbish. We are... We're... We're rubbish. Tra- transition. Second... Transition season. Second in the table. Rubbish. Okay, so Benetton are going to smash Glasgow. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Then Osprey's Cardiff. Osprey's Cardiff. I don't know. I don't, don't know, know what to say about Welsh rugby anymore. The, the last weekend's just pickled my head. It's upside down. Absolutely upside down. Car- Cardiff to win. Uh, yeah. Then uh, Leinster host Ulster. This is... Not really the game you Ooh. want when you're trying to get over a, a tough defeat. The only good element for Ulster, oh no, it's bad oh, as well crikey. for them because Europe's Europe's important for both of them. But I was going to say the following weekend is European matches. Have I ever told you the story about Leo Leo Sarto? No. What new Leicester Tigers winger? Yeah, yeah. I, and Leonardo, Tom Rondell, old new Leicester Tigers. Uh, We're gonna have to keep it up, JB. For goodness' sake, will you just pick some players up for your fantasy rugby team because you are <laughs> awful this season? Yeah, I'm pretty bad. Pick up Leonardo Sato and who else have they signed? Vandell. Tom Vandell. So what do we pick up? Pick up any players? I mean, I beat you by over. Pick up 100... players that are actually playing rather than injured for the next year. I, I did try. I, I did try. Well, no, well, so I beat you by over a hundred points, and instead of picking up someone like Tom. Uh, Pincus, who scored a try and scored nearly 20 points for Bristol, uh-huh. uh, you are holding three scrum halves, uh, two of whom didn't play. I know. It's bad, isn't it? <laughs> you're, uh, you're dragging... Uh, I'll sort it out. You're ne- dragging our league down. Next week, I'll sort it out. It's going to be a remarkable run into the playoffs. Okay. So, Liam- we, Don't forget, we have been the, the highest performing fantasy rugby draft league and you are dragging our average right down and, um, and putting that at risk. I, I, I apologise. I'll take it more seriously. Although you are still above friend of the pod, Bryn Williams, in the table. Really? Yes, really. And he, is he trying? He is trying. He's he trying very hard. He's our two-time and reigning champion. Yes. Goodness me. He's only won one, uh, one game so far. So, Le- so Leonardo Sato. Sato, yes. End up at Leicester Tigers, right? Italian winger. And I was talking to... Uh, who was I talking to? Second row. Should have, should have gone with the Lions, but never did. Uh, Tim Swinson. Swinners, yeah. and he was saying that uh, when Glasgow went to Leicester, if you remember, no, Glasgow were hosting Leicester, uh, first game of the new European season. Uh, I was there. You were there, and he said, like, just it's a little snapshot into the Italian mind uh, uh, mindset, which is before the game, uh, Sarto was going, uh, we cannot win. They, they are Leicester Tigers. They, they are too strong, and they went and scored a hat trick. He, he was defeated before before he even went out. Love it. Mm. And now he now he is a tiger. Yeah. Uh, actually, how have they let him go? Because I actually thought he was pretty good. Don't know if, uh, if the honest answer. No, no, no. Vandel. Next game. Vandel has left. Oh, He's left the French team he's playing at, and he's going to train and possibly play for Leicester Tigers because he knows Jordan Murphy. Oh, cool. Is the way that Murphy explained it today. <laughs> I know the guy. Next game. Uh, we have got Scarlet's hosting Dragons. Um, any other week I would have said this is a big win for Scarlet's. And it probably will still be a big Hadley win for Scarlet's. 
Have yeah. you pox at 10? Third time's a charm. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Connor hosting Munster, which should be quite a good game. That will be a good game. Uh, maybe I cannot win because Munster might rest a few key players. Might have yes. to. Might, might, might be told by the powers that be. Then Edinburgh hosting Southern Kings, which is going to be a big win for Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Zebra hosting Cheetahs, which <coughs> don't know is a big deal Zeb- for someone somewhere. Excellent. So uh, I reckon Benetton will make up more ground on Ulster. Uh, Probably. Can. Go, yeah, go, if, if go any, second. Yeah, they might. A win for Benetton and a loss for Ulster, which is possible. Uh, they overtake us again. You overtake us again. Perfect. Right. Gallagher Premiership. Yeah. Friday Dude. night. I'm here for this one. Are you I'm going to it? in the flesh. I'll be doing interviews in the Shark Tank. Are you going to be asking Dimes any questions? Uh, depends if they win or not. <laughs> I I'm, even... I'm not. I'm not working, so we'll not be asking Steve Diamond any questions. Who is working, Tim? Do you, do you know? I've no idea. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. Well, yeah. I won't be asking questions. I'm not as brave, brave as some Peters. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it's Saracens. So, yeah, with that information in mind, I am present, and so are Saracens. I won't be asking any questions of Steve Diamond. Probably for the best. Yeah. Who's going to win? Can Sale back up that performance? Can they repeat it? Maybe. Will Saracens back up two pretty bad performances with another bad performance or a good performance? I think I think it'll be one of those games, about 10 points, Saracens win, something like 12-3. I know that's a nine-point win, but something like that. that I, think, I think Saracens will kill this game. In fact, they will they will destroy it and kick the way to victory. It's almost like a, a reset of, of the game where they'll go back to the thing, things that they know. Sale will try try to play a bit, and they'll meet the, the formidable presence of Brad Barrett, who will just batter them each, um, each every way. The alternative thought is that Sale can cut loose. I just don't see it. They're going to be too organised. It will be hard for Sale to to get the freedom they got, even in brief spells against Gloucester. Oh. Yeah, I guess that's a really okay. We're talking too much about sale, but I, I'd say that's a really encouraging point that with a little ball they scored very clinical tries. They they were razor sharp with the opportunities they got. So I f- I fancy sale to sneak it at home. Do you really? That's yeah. insane. That, that would be a hell of a win. It is, but they're, they're without Billy Vanapola and without Ma- Marrow. They are. Yeah, true. Oh, but are they without Brad Barrett? Uh, no, actually, what am I talking about? Saracens should sneak that one. Yeah, uh, Brad, anyway, Bar- Brad Barrett is the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, okay, give me Saracens as well. Um, then we've got... Uh, so Saturday, four games. We've got Exeter hosting Bristol. Exeter. Exeter. Big Exeter win. We've got Leicester hosting Gloucester. Uh, this is a bad time for Leicester to play Gloucester because Gloucester will get a right... Give me, the backside. give me an undecided winner, but over 40 points. No, over over 50 points scored. When is Sippers back? That's what Gloucester need to know. Yes, good God, question. Do you know who I feel really sorry for? Owen Williams. It's like being a marginally funny comedian going on stage after a really funny comedian. <laughs> You had a proper comedian warm up for you. Yeah, yeah. Chris Rock's warmed up for you, and it's your, and it's your, and it's your, it's your first time out. Um, he's got a hell of a task in front of him because he's yeah. a very, he's a top draw international caliber player. 
But he's not Danny Cipriani. But he's not Danny, and, no, and nobody is. It's a real tough ask. Just on uh, Brad Barrett, he didn't play. He's injured. Well, he moment. got injured last week. Yeah, so if he is back, that, that, is, that is a question. That will account for the tries that, Worc- yeah. that Worcester scored. That's right, Brad Barrett on his own would have stopped both of those tries. And he would have, because that's what he does. Leicester, I've got Leicester Tigers to sneak this one at home, but I know I you're going to get a reaction from Gloucester now. Yeah, I think Gloucester are going to do this. Well, okay, yeah, so so what What do Gloucester lack? Sorry, what, what do Tigers lack? Uh, dynamic individuals carrying the ball in the forwards. Exactly. Apart from Ellis Gendry. And what do Gloucester have plenty of? Uh, they've got a big pack, good, some very good carriers. I think Pledry's out, isn't he? Pledry is out, yeah. but you know Freddie Clark can come in. Uh, yeah, ben Morgan's uh, playing God, well. They're, they're missing Gareth Evans. Yeah, Gareth Evans. You know, resurrected from four years Jack ago. Jack O'Creel. Jack O'Creel. They've got loads of guys that can catch. Do you know who's a cool player? Josh Ho- Josh Honuk. Honuk, yeah, can really can, can really play. Uh, anyway, that, that's that, that's a side issue. The point is. Um, Again, Leicester are going to have going to have to score points to win this, and lots of them continuously because I think Gloucester will go through them up front, and then they can open up as well. So Gloucester will be scoring points, and it's all this is the problem with Leicester. It's all on George Ford to win this game. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I think Leicester. I'm still going to go Leicester or sneak it. Give me Gloucester. Give me Gloucester. Thirty-five, thirty-four. <laughs> wow. Um. Newcastle Falcons host Harlequins. Now, this is a... Newcastle. Newcastle have to win this. (sighs) Harlequins haven't been great on the road this season. They haven't. um... And they they are going to have a lot of other headlines to deal with this week as well. So, give me Newcastle. But at a certain point, losing becomes a habit. And I wonder if Newcastle tipped over that point now, where they're... They are starting to doubt themselves. I think before they've been losing, but thinking we are good enough, we can do this. And now that they've lost a few, it gets a lot more a lot more difficult. Harlequins, I think that might that might that might start to be the case after next weekend. Uh, also, they'll, they'll have a lot of emphasis on this one. Also, is Alex Dombrant playing? Good question. Because if he is, let, let's put Newcastle at a seven point deficit to start with, <laughs> and work from there. Yeah. No, I think Newcastle. They have to win this. So, give me Newcastle. Uh, okay, I'm not only I'm going to say... I'm going to say Newcastle. I'm going to say Harlequins concede a shed load of penalties and Sinclair gets a red card. Wow. Yes, that, that that's, what, that's what I'm doing. There you go. Or Marla. One of the two gets a red card. Okay. Yeah, and the reason they're going to get get, get red card is because they're going to try to be trying to compensate for not having Dave Ward on the field. Instead of going the other way of becoming more restrained, learning a lesson, they're going to try and over they're going to try and over egg, uh, egg the pudding and compensate for their mate mate being not in the not in the side. There you go, um, Worcester. So uh-huh. the other Saturday game is Worcester hosting Bath. Now this is another massive must win for for Worcester. They've got relative rest weeks uh, in Champions Cup or Challenge Cup the weeks afterwards. Bath lost a few players due to injury. Mm. So, give me Worcester at home. Not so quick. Uh, I fancy Worcester at home. 
I don't. I, I mean, they've still got... No, Bath will keep it tight. This this one's 20 points to 10 in, Bath, in, in Bath's favour. Um, Bath. And on Sunday, we've got Wasps hosting Northampton. Wasps Northampton. Northampton. Wasps desperately, desperately need a win. They don't. They they don't have the quality to do it. Simple as that. Tim. Um. Oh man, alive. Uh. They really just don't, do they? Um. If Nathan Hughes is back and fit, and Robson is starting, I think Wasps will just win it. That's a, but I don't know the status of those players, but they're that important. Yeah. So Robson did play. He did look a bit rusty, but he did play uh, this weekend. I, I probably agree with you, particularly on the, the Nathan Hughes. Um, if Northampton can play as they did, which will be difficult because that was a, a kind of pinnacle performance. It was the peak of their season so far. If they can play like that, Northampton win. I suspect they'll find it more difficult. So give me Wasps by three. Northampton by 12. Mm. There we go. Excellent. Really tough lot of games to call, though. Isn't it? It's getting yeah. harder and harder. And, and, and and there's, there's so much. There's so many games that are so important at this stage of the season. Do you know what really spins the Premiership out of kilter? Is they play so infrequently. I mean, they play fairly frequently. Like three weeks and two weeks off. And then two weeks and then two weeks off. And so like you kind of lose track of where players are at. At least we're starting to get a little bit of a pattern after we've had one week, one week's worth of games. <laughs> a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. Good job. Excellent, boys. Right. Well, everyone oh. can remember to subscribe on Acast or Apple Podcasts or whatever. You know, if you want to know about really good podcast providers on Android, why don't you skip to the front of of, of the episode and listen to that fascinating chat. But, but, but what, well, this will be a beautiful thing to finish on, bearing in mind, you know, a lot of the negative things that have come out of rugby this weekend. The, the Bath kit manager has tweeted uh, in the last during this podcast being recorded. Steve Middleton, his name is, and Steve tweeted: "Total respect for Manu Tuolangi today. Last man, last man left in Leicester Tigers dressing room, swept it clean and placed all the rubbish in the bins." Oh well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's not the only Kitman story today. Go on. Um, let me find the actual tweet. Man- Manu is such a hero. But effectively what happened is... Humble. Humble, yes. Northampton played Wasps in an A-League game today. Two studs came off one of the props boots. One oh, of the yeah. Jamal Ford Robinson tweeted about yeah, this. Yeah, he did. And the Wasps kit man moved heaven and earth to find a new pair of boots for the Northampton player. Good lad. Rugby's good, isn't it? It's okay. Yeah. Don't, all all the headlines being grabbed by people who are acting in their own self-interest and acting like idiots. There's some very good people out there. So, yeah. Lovely stuff. Let, let the boys play. Well done to happy, those. Happy New Year. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's still the, the season of goodwill. Absolutely. Exactly. Right, well, do all the things which I demanded of you, and I'll see you in 2019. In a bit. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.